0: Welcome to the Talk Down Syndrome podcast. listeners. It's me, Chantel Holm. Thank you for coming back to the Talk Down Syndrome podcast. Um, It is a beautiful sunny but cold day here in Southern California. And I just decided to hop on and talk about something that I felt like was important and that I wanted to share. It's kind of been resonating with me for a little bit. So today I don't have any special guest speakers. It's just going to be a little mini episode of something that I've been um, wanting to share and, and maybe get some feedback on. But um, so yeah, so it's just me today, just chit-chatting with you guys. Um, I have to say that in my life, I've had a lot of crazy opportunities. When I look back at my whole life, I'm 38 years old now. So when I look back at my pretty much young adulthood to adulthood, there's a lot of opportunities that came into my life that have shown me how to be more humble, that have, I've I've actually been granted like blessings on seeing different sides of things. So I've always been um, interested in psychology and sociology. Um, I have my bachelor's in psychology. So it's interesting to me to see why people do things and where does it stem from? Um, Why do people think a certain way? Or, you know, what motivates somebody? So in my life I've had opportunities where I you know was growing up and thought one thing and then something happened and it totally changed my perspective on it and now I can see both sides. Um it's just different viewpoints. And so maybe that's just self growth. Uh maybe that's just life. <laughs> But I like that. I like that I get to reflect on both, and I could see the positives and the negatives. I could see the before and after. You know what I mean? I could, I can, I can side with both, and it gives me a clear understanding of of the whole situation. So, one of those things, um, opportunities in my life. You know, I was wild. I was a party animal before I had kids. Um, I was good in school. I've always been good in school. I've always had a well, a good balance of you know, being bad and being good. I was really good in school. I got my own car. I've always had my own job. Nobody ever helped me look for a job. Nobody, I got my own car on my own. I was always very independent. But then I was was also party animal, very bad, and staying up late and being around friends I shouldn't be around. So I've always had a balance of both. But, you know, I think the very first thing that's happened in my life is, of course, when you have your first child, So I met my husband, got married, we had our daughter Jade, and you know, anybody who's had, who who has had multiple children, know that your first child is like, like, you are like the crazy parent, you're like, I am not gonna let my child eat bad, I am gonna buy my child the best diapers, like my child to be given the best things they can, you know, you're so like, you're so super, super, super overbearing and. Then when you have like your second kid, you're like, I'm not spending money on Huggies and expensive diapers where they're just going to shit in it. I'm going to go buy the cheap Walmart diapers. And then you get to a point where it's like, okay, it's too expensive or too much work to make, you know, organic food and fuck it. I'm just going to have them eat some chicken nuggets from McDonald's. (laughs) You know what I mean? You get to that point where over and over you're like, and then probably by the third or fourth child, they're just shitting in a cloth and you're like, ah, screw it. (laughs) You know, whatever. Whatever go ahead, go, go eat that, put that in your mouth, you'll live, you'll be okay. <laughs> so my first child definitely was an opportunity where I have humbled myself, meaning that I was always out going out, it was always about me, and then you have your first kid and you realize, oh shit, life's, life's a lot different being a parent. It's not about you anymore, you know? So having my first daughter, Jade, was an opportunity to see uh, from being a young adult and independent to being completely just soaked up in a child and a lot of your independence is gone, but you're giving that, you know, your time to that child and raising that child. Um, in my career, um, I have worked for the County of San Bernardino, which is in Southern California. I've worked for the County of San Bernardino for a while, a long while and enough to where I knew everybody. Um, a lot of people at least. And so, I worked for a program called Substance Abuse and Disorders and so and recovery services. So basically, I was around a lot of people or clients that were coming off drugs, coming off alcohol, were addicted to some kind of substance, and they were going to the county for help services, programs, anything to help them basically. Um shelter, food, clothing sometimes Um, So I've worked with a lot of social workers, a lot of um, peer and family advocates, clinicians, doctors, psychologists, all that. So it was really nice to be able to witness that and see that and hear the stories and know firsthand because before that, the younger Chantel would always be like, Oh, man, that sucks to be on, you know, addicted to substances. And you kind of look down on it. And I remember, you know, seeing homeless people and damn, that sucks to be them. You know, not really giving it a second thought. You're kind of just like, man, sucks to be in their shoes. Or look, you kind of pride yourself that you're not that way, right? But now that I was in this position of, you know, where I'm seeing it so much, and you start to realize that these people are, in that situation because of what happened to them in their life and sometimes they weren't you know just a regular person that um just decided to try a drug and got hooked sometimes they were people that fought for us in the war sometimes they were um just normal people that got on you know pain pills because they had a surgery and then now they're addicted it's they're, they're real-life situations that can happen to basically anybody, and it wasn't just like the bad seed of a family, you know what I mean? I started to realize that every story was unique, every journey was different, and it opened and humbled me in a way where I was, like, I started to think, like, to stop, um, not scrutinizing, but I stopped feeding into the misconception of what somebody that is homeless or addicted to a substance or, or alcohol is. And I started to realize, you know. So now when I see somebody, it's not a judgmental point of view. It's like, you know what? You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what happened to them. You know, some people lost it all. They were living, had a wife, family, and lost it all. And it's sad stories. You know what I'm saying? So I was really glad that I worked for that, worked for the county, and I got to see that because it, it humbled me and it opened up my viewpoint. Another thing that really opened up my viewpoint was my second daughter. So my first daughter did her due diligence and making me straighten up in life and, you know, grow up. (laughs) And then my second daughter, Cheyenne, who has Down syndrome, humbled me to the max where I'm like, oh, she has special needs. She has Down syndrome. So before the younger me, used to also see people that had special needs and was like damn that sucks. You know, what well, sucks to be them? That sucks for their family. That just sucks. You know, I feel bad for them. So, it's funny now cuz you know, you do a 360, if somebody says to me I feel bad for you, I'm a mo- I'm a mother now a child with down syndrome and they look at us and they say, Oh, I feel bad for them. <laughs> like my immediate response is why <laughs> there's nothing to feel bad about. This is amazing. You know? So you, you, you go through these experiences where you realize before you used to think a certain way and now you're living it. I never thought I would have Cheyenne and now I'm seeing it from the a mirror image. This doesn't suck. This is fucking awesome you know like this is amazing and not a lot of people get that opportunity not a lot of people can see both sides i mean i i've told you guys in a previous episode how i found out i had when my daughter had down syndrome that i was crying and i was all over the floor and being a little baby you know but we have to go through those experiences to grow i had to i had to be heartbroken to pick up the pieces and realize that you know that everything's going to be okay i had to go through that so Although I wish now I could go back to who I am now, I wish I could go back for years and tell the old Chantel that was sitting there on the floor crying, like, get the fuck up. <laughs> You're going to be fine. And I wish I could tell that to um, to me, my old self. And I wish I could also tell a lot of things to my old self. But, you know, that's why I, I think it gives me a lot of happiness when I talk to new parents who are very sad or uh, uncertain about their child's diagnosis because I get to be that you know that spirit that comes back and is like hey you're going to be okay you're and it's like me going back to my old self like you're going to be fine and guess what every single one I talk to completely happy right now after they had their kid they're so happy and it's it's nice to be able to to tell people that or give that peop, give you guys a sense of security you know what i mean just it's going to be all right so Cheyenne showed me a different viewpoint in life. She's humbled me so much where I'm like, damn, I saw how I used to be. I see how it really is now. And that's just freaking amazing. It's so amazing. Um, I'm glad that I I was given those opportunities. The opportunity that I feel like I'm going through right now is my my most recent job. Um, So after working for the county, I came to the school district i wanted to see what's a, what it is like to have um to work in a school district because if you think the county is a huge organization any county you work for um in any state it's a big organization you know they're ran certain ways and i wanted to get out of that but i wanted to try something different so another organization but different foreign to what i was used to and i decided to join a school district so when I had Cheyenne, so keep in mind she's four years old, um, about two years old, maybe like a, somewhere around two years old, we put her in school. So she's been in a school setting, a daycare setting that is around like, a, like classes. She goes to school. Um, yeah, they're babies, but they're learning baby stuff. So she's, she's always, she's never been with um, a babysitter. There's a big difference. She's always been in a school setting. So as I had my daughter when I was pregnant or no after I had her I was, she was brand new to the world I remember this is when I made the podcast I was actually working under a different the Save Down Syndrome or, organization and I would interview people and or I would speak to people in person and a lot of things they would tell me was like oh my god wait till she gets to school age Wait till you have to get into the IEP process. You're going to have to fight for services. Wait until you want um, a speech or a therapist or any kind of um, any kind of special service. You're going to have to fight for it. Just get ready. And if you need help, you can do this. So it was already like a struggle being presented to me that I wasn't there yet, but there, people were prepping me for it. And um, they were saying, you know, it's going to be hard basically. So, I went into her going into a school system with thinking, all right, I already got my gloves on. I'm ready to start fighting for whatever she needs and advocating, right? And you know, I will say there Cheyenne has as she grew older, we had different issues with her that we had to fight. She as she got a little bit like to toddler and t- and walking and speaking about a year and a half ago she started like scratching, hitting and biting other kids, right? So you can only imagine your child's displaying these behaviors. Um but don't think that it's because she's nonverbal. Cheyenne has a great vocabulary. A uh, so so much that people are pretty like dang she has a great vocabulary. They're kind of shocked by it. And I'm like, I know she's, she can talk like she's, she's good. She doesn't, she has great muscle tone. We're really blessed. We're really blessed for her. She's very, she's in great shape for her diagnosis or what normally happens, um, usually happens to a child that has Down syndrome. So she has great vocabulary, but she was still displaying these behaviors of what the heck, why is she doing this? So we, we have been through the point of moving her to different schools. Um, we did, go to schools that we thought that would open their arms to her and they didn't. Uh kicked us out, <laughs> kicked her out. Schools that were, you know, supposed to be like very godly and Christian were was the one that was the worst, which is weird, which was the meanest and nastiest to us. So I I do understand that you know every every family has a different situation they go to in regards to school. But I did go in to her entering the school age with the idea of like, God, this is already going to be hard for us, right? Um, without even getting there yet. So I right now she's at a place where she has the, those behaviors have slowed down tremendously. And I just posted on the podcast Instagram that we're doing ABA therapy, we just had one session. Um, but I we were that's ABA therapy is like, our sixth resource that we already went through. You know, we've already tried A, B, C, D. Now, like we're now at this letter and we're trying A, B, A therapy to see if this helps her because she still does it. And she's going to be five soon. So we don't want her to go. We got her into, um, into her school, the same school her sister goes to. So we want to make sure that they're together. So we really don't want her biting or doing something, hitting or scratching other kids because we really don't want her to get kicked out of this school because we want them to be together, right? So that's the goal. But, you know, kids, they're going to do what they're going to do. and We just got to go through the punches just like parents do. So, anyway, um, that's the goal. And so, I already had this, you know, I've gone through IEPs already now that she's going through school district. And we've had her work with Inland Regional and all that. We did everything that a lot of parents are doing. So... It is tough. I've had to fight for her ABA therapy. I've had, it took me a year to get that. And I've had, and it is true what they say. You do have to keep pushing and pushing for services. That's very true. And it is, nobody tells you, you have to figure it out by yourself. Or if you're lucky, you have a friend or somebody you know that will give you that information. Right. And I've even tried to help people get IHSS or what you need to do. I've just read about the ABA therapy. I had a couple moms ask me, like, how did you get that? Because they won't give it to my kid because it's only for autism. And I try to help them with that too. So anyway, in my recent, my recent job, I decided to go, you know, and be a worker of the school district. So I work at a school. So it's interesting to me because I work at a middle school, so not high school, not elementary, but I wanted to see kind of how it ran on this side of the fence. What do schools do? I mean, there are things that I've learned in my new job that I didn't know. I, I never knew what a, a one-to-one paraprofessional was. I never heard of that yet because we haven't got to that bridge yet. And I'm realizing like, oh, cool. Like that's what this person does. And these are the credentials this person has. Um, there's, you know, when I first started at the school, my interest was in special education. So I got to meet our special uh, education teachers and, you know, till this day, I go and visit their classes and go, I know everybody in their class. I'll go in there and talk to everybody. And when I see a child with Down syndrome come through the front door, I, I've i been talking to their moms and their families and, hey, my daughter has Down syndrome, too. You know, I'm here and I made myself known that I'm here and I want to meet everybody here at where I work. So I have had a great opportunity to meet a lot of cool people. And I've all it kind of opened my eyes a lot. It really did because I used to be afraid of, you know, my child going to elementary and middle school and then high school and then you know being out in the world as an adult. But this job that I'm at has given me the opportunity to see the other side of the fence that I'm talking about. You know, when I when I was you know just had my daughter. I was like, all right, I got to fight the school system. But now that I'm seeing the practices and seeing what, you know, every day these teachers, they're busting their ass for these kids. But, you know, I go into the teacher's classroom and these kids, they want to be there with with them. They want to be around these people. They're happy. The classroom is so inviting. Like, I'll go spend my lunches in the class because it's so inviting and so comfortable and warm. And the teacher, like... She is literally the best teacher I've came across, even with my older daughter who goes to school. This teacher's so sweet and kind hearted and she, she really loves her kids. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we all want? We want somebody that loves our child. I know Cheyenne has, my daughter has been kicked out of a few schools and I know when somebody loves her and doesn't love her. I know when a teacher favors her or doesn't, and you know that as a parent, so Whenever you come across a teacher that you know just loves your kid and will do anything for your kid, that's what's important. You know, that's what you want. You know, my daughter, like I said, she still bites and stuff, but at her school that she's at now, she's flourishing there because they understand like, hey, this is what she's going through, but we still love her and she still belongs here and she's accepted here. Now, where I work, these teachers are exactly the same. Every child that has stepped in their classroom belongs there. And guess what? Even when they're scheduled to go to a different class, they run back over to this the same class because they feel invited there. They want to be there. And that's what's important. You know, I've learned that. I've seen parents, and I may have done this myself, you try to fit your child into a mold of, I want them in all-inclusive classes. I want them, you know, I want their IEP to this because I firmly believe that, you know, they're smarter. or they, they can do it, right? That's great. But your child, the ultimate goal is for them to be happy. And if they're going to an English class where they're really not ha- happy, I mean, well, who is happy to go to English? But I mean, you know what I mean? Like they would rather spend their day learning about words and vocabulary or somewhere else, isn't that the goal? You want them to be happy where they're at instead of trying to make them fit your narrative of what, what they should be or where you, you know what I mean? And I, unfortunately, well, actually this, this class, this school that I work at, I have, I've talked to every single parent. Trust me. I do. You'll be surprised. (laughs) I'm, I don't know if you guys remember Miss Jenkins from like think it was Saturday Night Live back in the day. I'm Miss Jenkins. I know everything. I know everything. I talk to everybody. I'm cool with everybody. I've never had a mom come or vent to me about that their kid is not belonging or being welcomed. I've never had anybody come up and say that. Every single parent that I've had, happy. Their kid's happy. I see them on their birthdays. I go visit them every, almost every week. I go up to that class and see how everybody's doing. And so I just, you know, I just think that being able to see this side of the school system, um, working alongside counselors and paraprofessionals and teachers that specialize in special education and knowing that they're doing the best they can, I mean, some of these paraprofessionals they're getting like hit and they're getting like, you know, spit on and they're getting like basically abused and they're still coming today. They're still coming the next day trying to do the best they can. And we're all human. We are all human. You know, I get that. But they're there, they're there sitting and fighting for the child and trying to, you know, make that child's day go by easier, whatever way that whatever that looks like. So I feel like that a lot of times us parents, now me speaking in the past tense, we put up our gloves and we automatically think that we need to be on defense and that our kid is gonna have a hard time, but we don't really know the reality of it. Unless you're sitting there and you, you're there from the moment the child is on school to the moment that they're after school, especially if you have a nonverbal child because how are you gonna, you're gonna have to rely on other cues, right? But if you don't see the whole picture, you, you really can't get in defense mode and get all, you know, you know what I mean? Like you, you got to be able to see everything. And I know I see it because I, I work at the school. I see everything that happens there. So I see the happiness, the sad, but I see more happiness. So I like, I mean, I, it, for me, I felt like having this position at the school was one of those opportunities that humbled me a lot. That it made me feel more positive about the future for my child. My daughter's, like I said, she's four. So she's not going to have this teacher when she gets, you know, in about 10, 9 to 10 years. She's going to be in a, She's even in a school, in a different school district. So it sucks. So, I mean, I love this teacher. She's so amazing. And you don't find teachers like this often. You really don't. So when you see a gold nugget, you know, and then you, you see that, you know, that this school is providing such a good service, you wish you, I wish my daughter could come to school here. I'd be happy. I'd be, as she would be happy. She would be so happy. And that's all that matters to me. Right. So I just feel like that being at the school district gave me one of the, being at this school in particular, gave me that opportunity in life where it's now listed as one of the things growing up where I've seen this side of it, being a parent that is on defense. But then now I see the side of the school where I'm talking to the counselors, talking to the paraprofessionals, seeing the teacher, seeing it, witnessing it, like literally watching it as it happens, as things happen at the school. And I see what they're going through or what the process is and what I see what, I see the whole picture is what I'm getting at. And I'm like, wow, there's so much to this story than there is. So when meet with me now, when my daughter who does bite occasionally, when she bites, I'm no longer like, blaming somebody, I'm no longer getting my gloves on and being defensive. Well, how come you guys didn't do this? How can you do this? And, you know, the IEP says this, I'm, I'm not doing that. First off, because it sounds it's just, it's a When you're talking about a situation like this where your child needs help or needs something, being a defense and a nasty person is not going to work. Working together and being open-minded, that's what's going to work, basically in any situation, right? So in my situation, when my daughter does bite, I'm not getting mad at the team that should be there. I'm not blaming somebody else or, you know, feeling like it's it's their fault when they, the school calls me I'm at work and I get the phone number on you know on my phone that her school's calling and of course I know what it is because they only call me when it's something bad right they don't call me to tell me she's having a good day they tell me that when I pick her up but when they're calling you they're telling you because it's it's, she's doing something that she shouldn't be doing right so I get that call and I'm not upset I'm like I'm first off I'm a parent I got to get up, go pick her up. So I go pick my daughter up and I, I talk to the, you know, whoever's there, most likely it's the office manager and you know, they're not telling me she's getting kicked out or anything, but they're saying, you know, she's doing a behavior and we got to figure out how to make it stop. And I'm not saying, well, how are you going to make it stop? I'm not putting it on them. It's my damn child. I got to do it. It's my baby, not their baby. So I'm going to do what I got to do, hence the ABA therapy is one of them. I'm going to figure out how to help my daughter. A lot of people don't do it that way. A lot of, a lot of people want to, you know, get their, <laughs> their fists up and start or their fingers out and start pointing at everybody else. I mean, so that's why I'm kind of like taken back by certain things. I'm like, you know, I, I'm glad that I am able to see from a parent's point of view. And I'm also more happy and more glad that I can see from a school points point of view. Because a lot of us parents that are listening, I'm pretty sure a lot of us don't work or a lot of you guys don't work for the school. Maybe some of you do, or maybe you guys are working in a different profession, right? Um, things can be so construed on social media. <laughs> it's crazy, to be honest with you. Um, I see things on social media and I feel like sometimes I'm like, that ain't the way that it went. That's not what happened. Um, a lot of politicians do this. A lot of politicians will, you know, because they have a lot of huge following. Um, they'll go on social media and they'll say, they'll leave out key facts of the story. They'll say something and to get a rise out of people or to create a problem because they'll, they will have the solution to the problem. Good politicians do that. I mean, you guys are smart enough, you know. Let's create a problem. And guess what? We're going to have the solution to the problem. So that way we get more followers and more likes and more attention. Because, you know, society is so soaked up in attention. It's pretty sad. But that's what keeps people going. You know, imagine if I came on this podcast and I told you guys how I had a bad experience at Burger King. Oh my God, I went to Burger King. The cashier was a bitch. That I mean, I'm using vulgar words, but for reals, the cashier was a bitch. The management sucked. The whole team was understaffed. The whole team wasn't, um, didn't have the proper training. And I had the worst experience. Oh my god, I waited in line for this long, and my food didn't come out right. And I just went on line and told you from my experience, or what I told you, everything that's bad about this, you know, Burger King. So you're listening and you're like, "Damn, me too. I had a bad experience too." And you're liking and you're sharing and you're following and you're that person's getting that attention. But they left out the key facts of maybe they got to Burger King and they were the one who started with a nasty attitude. Maybe they were the one who ordered the wrong thing, but then, you know, they leave out key things. Maybe they were the one that was uh instigating the situation. They leave those out those key facts out because why? Well, well, they're trying to make a point. They're trying to rise a group of people up. They're trying to get a group of people up to agree with them so they could have more attention. It's the whole point of social media. You get to to construe things the way that you want. So I feel like that a lot of people do this. (laughs) I mean, I see it. I see it. So you got to just pay attention to what's being posted, what's it, you know, of course you're not going to know every single story, especially if you're just watching from a distance, but just pay attention. Like just because one person has a sour taste in their mouth doesn't all, doesn't mean that that's everybody. And it doesn't mean that that's how an organization really is. You always got to do your homework on certain, certain places. So you have your own viewpoint on that place. Now, my viewpoint is what, where I'm, what I'm talking about right now. my, my opportunity in this life to work for a school has opened my eyes where I can say at the end of the day, I'm surrounded by good people that genuinely love children with special needs, good people that will take even like they just don't come here for eight hours a day. They take time out of their own life, their own time with their own kids to stay longer, to help out longer. to to do whatever they need to do for the best interest of the child. I've seen staff so stressed out or to the point of tears because they're trying to help and they want to help so much, but a child may not be at that point yet. Or, you know, they just, you could see it. Their heart is in the right place and their passion is in the right place. I've seen staff that go above and beyond, So when I see staff at this particular school that are going above and beyond, it takes away that whole uh, misconception that I had, the same misconception that I had about children with special needs, the same misconception I once had about, um, you know, homeless people and people that were on drugs, the same misconception I had about being a parent when I first when I had my first daughter, like those misconceptions or those those that frame of thinking before Is now opened up and has became less negative and more positive now. So those are the type of opportunities I was talking about. You come in life and you think one thing, but then you look on the other side and you realize, oh wait, maybe it's really not like that. So anyway, that's kind of what I what I wanted to share today is that you know I've had a great opportunity of working for a school district at a school that have children with Down syndrome, that have children with other diagnoses. And I've got to see these people. What are these What are these teachers really like that are teaching these kids? You know, what are these paraprofessionals really thinking? <laughs> you know, and I listen to them and I'm like, man, they're actually really, really amazing people. So I was like, damn, Chantel, shame on you for, you know, automatically thinking that you got to fight the school system. You really don't. I think what you need, I think what we need to, I guess my closing point is, is that you don't always have to fight people. You don't always have to be on defense. I think you as a parent to a child with down syndrome, just be more open minded and you think we are right you think we're already at the openness mind possible because we have a child that is not like other children. But really, we just need to see the whole picture as a whole. What are my what is going on at school that I'm not seeing? What am I doing in my own, as myself, as a mom? Am I am I putting borders up around my child? Am I, am I being negative all the time? Am I, you know, seeing a situation and just automatically in defense? Maybe you are. You know, maybe you need to open up that frame of thinking a little bit and humble yourself, you know? Um, so I just feel like it was important to share this. And I don't know. Hopefully it's important to you. Maybe it's helped you think a little bit. You know when I think about Cheyenne, I understand that she has certain behaviors that are not favorable to everybody else. And I understand that we have an IEP to work as a team to try to lessen those unwanted behaviors and encourage other behaviors like academically and stuff, um, pay attention to school and get along with peers and all that stuff, right? I get that, I totally get that. But when she does something bad, I'm not gonna sit there and blame everybody else and every other, it's like a, you know, a boss. You're not gonna sit there and blame your whole team. You're a part of the team too. Where is? I think we need to start taking more accountability as parents as well. Like if you're gonna sit there and scrutinize every single thing that's happening that, and not take any accountability or maybe not just come to the realization that, you know what, your child is doing certain behaviors and where do you step in and take responsibility for that? You know, it's not all up just to other people to do it. You gotta take responsibility. And by that, I also mean that could be as something as little as stop trying to, you know, blame everybody else. You know, when Cheyenne, you know, get, does things in, in my life, when my daughter Cheyenne does things, I don't go and blame everybody in the IEP. I don't go call the regional center and get mad at everybody and tell everybody that the system is broken. It maybe your system is broken. Maybe your own mental, like your mentality and your way of thinking, is broken. Because what I do is I treat her like Jade. If my daughter Jade was biting or hitting or maybe getting fights, I'm not going to tell the whole school that there that or the whole team in my that processed her paperwork, her IEP. You guys aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. Why is she like this? You, she's not like this because you guys are doing that. No, I'm gonna pick my daughter up and say, look, we need to figure this out because I'm responsible for you. And I think that I'm taking accountability that way. And yeah, that doesn't mean like, then why do we have an IEP? I get that. We all have an IEP because we need to work together and you ha- we have a common goal. But then if you're going to sit there and pick apart and not take accountability, basically you're also, you're also making the IEP fall apart too. You got to understand your place in this. And I think a lot of things too is, you know, I realize that you also can't push your child or mold your child into what you want that child to do. Um, you know, there's been times where Cheyenne has been in a school setting where I noticed she don't want to be there. She don't want to be there. She is behaving in a way where she just doesn't want to be there. And I have to realize, you know what, maybe it's convenient for me to, for her to be there. And it's, I want her to be in that class because maybe it's, um, a class that I prefer or classes that I prefer, but if she doesn't want to be there and she's happy, genuinely happy in a different class or with a different teacher, which she does, my daughter does favor other teachers. She can, she knows that she knows when she's loved and who she's loved by. Who am I to get upset and be like, well, guys, we failed. We failed we all failed, you failed, you failed, you failed. And now she has to go into this class that she loves, even though I want her to be here. <laughs> like, come on, like, no, we're not, I'm not going to ever do that to her. It's wherever she is genuinely happy. And it is wherever she is genuinely loved and, and and supported. And I think that's why, you know, and I see in this school that the teachers that I work for f- with alongside and you know, these, these counselors and everybody that's at, at this team, they're, they're a good team. And I see it on, you know, from the way that I was taught, basically that I was raised when I had this child with Down syndrome, the quote unquote raised, meaning other moms saying, you got to fight the school system going in and saying, well, in this school, I don't see like that. I, I would be happier if, if I had my daughter in middle school here and I see them really treating her good. Like, and I see them giving, Opportunities to everybody, and you know, you just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's crazy. It's—it's it's crazy. Like I said, Miss Jenkins, I know everybody's business, and it's like I get it. I—I I see it all, and I'm—I um, see the whole story, and I'm like, damn, that's crazy. I see, I see these teachers, and I really see them in a different light than maybe what they are projected as, or you know, by a, a select few, but literally. And but a lot of they, I also see them praised too. A lot of parents love them. Parents that have children special needs because they they also see it through my point of view. And I think that's the golden, the golden thing I'm getting at is how lovely is it to be able to see one thing, and then your experience is the opposite, and you get to see it from the other point of view. And I just consider myself very lucky to understand that. And I I very lucky to not be a a one visual, one tunnel vision person. And I feel very lucky to know who I work with. And I, I got to praise them because I they're amazing to me. So I feel very lucky that I am given that opportunity. And it sucks that if anybody else isn't, it I feel pretty bad for you, to be honest. That sucks, you know? And the only thing that's hurting is when your parent is putting borders around a child, Down syndrome, no Down syndrome, or when you're trying to fit your child in a certain mold, or you actually just can't even see where they're really happy and where they really are flourishing, when you have those blinders on, the only person that really is getting hurt is the child. It's only hurting the child. So it, it's unfortunate. And, you know, but like I said, this episode is about me about my experiences and what I wanted to share and how I'm sharing. Um, You know, if you're a brand new parent, um, I don't want to be that parent to say, "Oh, be ready to fight. I mean, I will tell you that I've had to fight for certain services, but so far in, and like I said, she's been kicked out of school. Yes, but I will say, don't automatically assume when you're signing up a child or you're going through a situation, don't automatically point the finger at everybody else. Before you start pointing fingers, always look at yourself. And always look at your role in this and your outlook on this. And are you being positive or are you just being a negative person all around? And always, always take accountability for your part. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys do. But anyway. Oh, you know what I just found out too? Is I didn't know that you can, as a parent, you can volunteer at a school To teach an ELOP class, which is like an extended learning opportunity class. Um, So we have parents that volunteer after school to come teach like an enrichment class to students. For example, we have a parent who teaches choir. She'll come and spend an hour a week. You could do it like, I don't know what, depending on your school and district, but this particular person comes, um, well, his first three hours a week to teach um, a choir class to kids. And any as long as the class has, you know, is some sort of enrichment to teach kids, you're good. So I was thinking like, that would be so cool for, you know, if I wanted if I saw some kind of gap in the school where I felt like, you know, maybe the school needed more inclusion practices or maybe they needed to be a little bit more aware of you know, the children for special ed or, or maybe just like a humanity, how to be more caring or whatever, you know, that I could go and sign up as a parent volunteer and teach these classes or teach a class, an after school program or whatever for a child. So I thought that was kind of cool. You know, if you, if you see an issue at this, at a school, be a part of the solution for it. You know, if you are going to sit there and, you know, feel like there's a lack somewhere, what better way to help move the school forward by by volunteering or you know, being a part of the solution, taking a step forward instead of just sitting there complaining or stagnant or taking a step back, you know, do something about it. I always felt like that would be amazing. So I know I'm gonna keep that in mind. Like when I my kids are in school, like if I see something or maybe something's happening to them where, you know, like for example, maybe they're getting bullied. Wouldn't it be so nice to volunteer to teach about anti-bullying or, you know what I mean? Like, be a part of the solution. So I thought that was really cool. But anyway, I'm learning so much and I, I'm so thankful. Um, I would love any feedback that you guys have. If you guys want to comment, uh, you can always go on our Instagram page and comment on the episode. Um, I will be posting this soon. Um, thank you guys for sticking with me and kind of hearing a little bit about my experience and my viewpoint on this. Um, I understand everybody walks different life, a life path, and everybody has a different way of thinking. But if anything I say can open up your frame of thinking, um, I would love to do that. That's why I do this podcast. I don't do it for clout. I don't do it for attention. I don't need a billion followers, a million thousand followers. I don't need that. Um, I just want to help somebody. I, I want to. I want somebody to listen to my podcast and say, "Hey, I listened to that and it's helped me in my situation." And I've had a lot of that come back, so that's what keeps me going. Funny thing is, I was um, on the side. I do permanent makeup, and I'm like doing a little bit of tattoos. That's just my side thing. I love doing it. But anyway, I was um, doing someone's eyebrows a couple weeks ago, and. So the Talk Down Center podcast, I'm going to be at the Dear Mom Conference, which which is in um, Southern California, if you're from California, um, Laguna Beach, I believe it is, like last year. So anyway, I'm going to be there as a vendor. And I was telling, you know, the my client, like, I'm going to be there as a vendor. I can't wait. And she's like, well, what are you guys going to be selling? And I'm like, I'm not selling anything. And she's like, well, you're going to be there as a vendor. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to probably have... You know, open mic basically. If anybody wants to get a little interview in or talk, share something in you know their journey as a mom or a parent to a child with Down syndrome or anything about Down syndrome related, I'm gonna have I'm gonna be recording that day, and that's pretty much it. Maybe I'll give out some stickers or something. And she's like, "Well, don't you want to sell something? Like, cause it's a pretty good you know size conference." And she's like, "You can make some money." And I'm like, I had zero interest in, in making any money. I'm like, I told her, I was like, no, actually I don't really want to sell anything. Like I don't, I have no desire. to me. It's not about the money. This is not about the money. This is not about getting a bunch of followers. This isn't about that at all. Like this is just me about helping out another family if I can. You know, um, I told her, I, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to try to sell anything there. I don't want anybody's money. If you have money, buy your kid something that, that has a special need, you know, don't, if we're, I'm good. I, we're Our family's in a good spot. So, um, I was like, maybe I'll sell some stickers. <laughs> like if anything, some freaking dollar stickers who I mean if if anything but I mean even that I was like oh maybe I like to do giveaways and stuff so anything that I get on this podcast so if you run a podcast you know if you run commercials you get like so many cents per per like episode or something anytime that I've had accumulated money from this podcast I've always turned it around to give something back to you guys I've always done a giveaway whether it be a cup or whatever. I've always turned around jewelry. I've turned around and done like little giveaways for, you know, October for um, World Down Syndrome Day, which is just around the corner, by the way. Um, I've always done something like that. You know, I never really kept it or pocketed it or need, needed to do that. So just know that I don't care about all that stuff. Could care less about me having a thousand followers. Literally could care less. It'd be nice. It's nice to have a thousand eyes on you, but. I mean, is it necessary? <laughs> I don't think it's necessary. You could still uh, get your point across without trying to jump in the dang limelight all the time. Um, just not me. But anyway, if you guys want to comment, you could go on the Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, we've got Facebook. I made a Facebook page. Not many people use Facebook too much. I feel like Instagram's where it's at. But I don't even do TikTok that much, you guys. I'm like, I'm 38 years old. I'm not old. But I'm also kind of in between where I could still maneuver. There's a lot of 38 year olds fucking killing it on TikTok and social media and doing all that's cool. I'm just not that type of person. Like, I don't need it. It doesn't need it doesn't feed anything for me. You know, I don't need the attention to seek approval from others. I don't need that. I'm I'm pretty content. So um, but I would love a good conversation. So if you have any comments, you want to message me, you want to add to this, you want to be on your own episode as a guest. My door is an open door. Just message me anytime you want and I always respond. So anyway, have a good rest of your week. Thank you guys for spending some time to listen to my story, um, my experience. And please message me. Feel free. Always reach out. And I am hoping to do another episode soon before World Down Syndrome Day, March 21st. It's like two weeks away. So I would love to love to love to maybe even do a giveaway. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Talk Down Syndrome podcast.